0: Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his holy word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. So, oh, Father of mercy, you promise never to break your holy divine covenant with us. So now in the midst of the multitude of words in our daily lives, speak your eternal word to us that we may respond to your gracious promises with faithfulness, service, and love in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. A few years ago when I was a captain in the the Department of Public Safety Uh, One of the things that I did is I oversaw several units within the department. And one of them was the polygraph unit. You know what the polygraph unit does. It's the lie detector. Uh, I oversaw 25, about 25 polygraph examiners that were stationed throughout the state of Texas. Which is what they did all the time focusing on. running polygraphs. Well, there was one time when I was invited to give a lecture about the benefits of polygraph in helping with criminal investigations. And uh, the group that invited me were the Texas Rangers, the Texas Rangers, not the baseball team, the police officers, the state police officers, the Texas Rangers. They were all gonna get together as they did annually Uh, to to have their continuing education. Well, part of that was the the lecture, the presentation that I was going to give. There was about 110 rangers there, uh, all with their hats, and you can imagine, they were all decked out, nice and pretty. uh, There were ranger captains and lieutenants and sergeants there. Uh, They met at the Texas Ranger Museum, which is a museum there in Waco, Texas. So I traveled to Waco, and I started presenting uh, my lecture. Now it all started off, but it, it got started off on the wrong foot. It wasn't good. Uh, I could tell to, to, just by looking at their body language that things weren't going good. That they, they, really were, they really weren't caring about what I was talking about. Actually, they, they didn't even look like they were paying attention. They sat there with their blind stares looking uh, uh, with a look of confusion. Uh, they gazed through me with their beady eyes, so to speak, uh, as though they had some suspicion about what I was saying, and they were very skeptical about the things that I were the things that I was talking about, which was polygraph. Well, it didn't take them long before all of them started. They were seated, right? I'm looking at them. They all started crossing their arms, crossing their legs, and looking as if they were shutting down. There was nothing that I could tell, to tell them, to teach them that there was, there, there was going to penetrate them. They were not going to pay attention. They had a look of frustration, of um, sheer frustration. Uh, on, on their, on the, just in their demeanor, okay? As a matter of fact, uh, one of the captains, uh, one of the ranger captains, while he was sitting there, he stood up, picked up his chair, turned it around, and then sat down with his back toward me. Whoa, things are not going good there. That's certainly a, a pretty good indication that, uh, it, the the presentation was not being received very well uh, to the point where they're just uh, they're not understanding. It was as if I was speaking a foreign language to these guys. I w- it, it was as though they were not able to to articulate what uh, anything that I was talking about. You know, I, I was using technical words to describe the function of the polygraph and how it is, how why it works why it does what it does. I was getting very technical because it is a technical, it's an instrument. And, and the people that run the polygraph, they're not operators, they're examiners because they examine what the instruments print out. Uh, so it was very technical, but uh, it was unintelligible to them as far as they were concerned. Uh, and again, it was like I was speaking a foreign language to, to them, basically uh it, it, they were uh I wasn't building rapport with them. I was kind of I was kind of striking it down. Any relationship that I had before with the Rangers was not was that good as being struck down. There was no rapport building there was no building up to to the advantages of, of what I was speaking about and the reason for that was we were not communicating we We were not communicating. You see, communication is important, Uh, very important when it comes even to God's church, even to Christ's community, the body of Christ. It is important that we can communicate the message of the gospel, the gospel message. You see, if if, if whoever we're talking to is we do the function of what our church is called to do, just go out and spread the gospel message, well, if we're trying to spread that message and the person that we're communing with, communicating with, is not understanding what we're talking about, then how can they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior? We have to be able to communicate that, that message, that holy message. Uh, that, is, that is what God's kingdom, God's kingdom people in his church are tasked to do. They're, they're tasked to spread the gospel. Like Christ says, the Great Commission. Go forth unto the world, to the nations, to make disciples. It, it, this is this is a the great commission that, that Christ gives his church. But if the gospel message is unintelligible, if, it, if you cannot understand what is what's being said, it, it's not gonna build up. It's not gonna build up the body of Christ. It's only gonna tear it down in frustration. And and so What God does, especially during the early church, what he did was he bestowed some spiritual gifts upon his church for the furtherance of the body of Christ, for the furtherance of the gospel. Two of those gifts that God gives his church are being talked about in our passage today. The gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. That's what our passage is about today. That is what Paul is addressing today. The apostle Paul is addressing this issue. And it is an issue. It was an issue because that's why he's addressing it. He's addressing this issue to the church of Corinth, to the congregation at the church of Corinth. The great apostle, primary goal in this passage is found in verse 12. Where he calls the congregation, he calls us, to strive to excel. Strive to excel in the building up of the church. Of the church. Yeah, so that means in the building up of the church that that, that is right there, but also the church in the building up of more more people coming to Christ and building the kingdom kingdom people up, the kingdom of, of God. So that's what Paul is saying. He said he's calling them out. He said, strive to excel. Strive to excel. He just doesn't say build. He says strive to excel in the building up of God's church. In doing this, Paul has to confront a problem that's going on at the church of Corinth, a problem that has risen in, in the church of Corinth that's, that's, that was uh, basically centered around, you guessed it, pridefulness, self-pride. You see, of all the gifts that had been bestowed uh, on the church at Corinth, which we, there were many, remember, we, we've been talking about this stuff for weeks, but Paul uh, initially planted that church and he left, but it has continued. And that church was a true gospel church. Blessed with spiritual gifts. Well, in the in the arrogance of, in our arrogance, so to speak, in their arrogance and pridefulness, uh, it became uh, the gifts that God had bestowed upon them, the spiritual gifts had become a competition, so to speak. How many times do we do that? How many times do we get together and all of a sudden we got a competition going on? Who can do this better? Who can do that better? Who can sing better? Or Whatever. There's always that competition, it's a competitive spirit. And so what had happened was that they started competing with themselves uh, about trying to outdo themselves in, as it pertains to the gifts, the spiritual gifts of all things. And there are many, many as we've talked about. This competition was tearing down the church. They were tearing down the church They, 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 they the, the, because they were basically trying to outdo each other again. And, and, the, and what they were trying to do and, and what they surmised, they surmised, uh, mistakenly surmised, that the gift of tongues was the greatest gift. To, able, to be able to speak the gift of tongues was the greatest gift that you could possibly have. And guess what everybody was trying to do? Speak the gift of tongues, speaking tongues, speaking tongues. Now you can imagine when the gathering of the church came together, when the church came together, what it would look like if everybody's trying to outdo each other and trying to display their gift of tongues and everybody's speaking in different tongues. And what that did to the church, it was destroying the church. It was taking it down. And anybody knew that was coming in and saw this going on. They thought, well, this is chaos. This is chaos, disorganization. Everything is is in disarray. And they're thinking they're doing good. Does that remind you of churches that are going on today? And We talked about this last week with the charismatic movement and the nonsense that's going on over there when people are just breaking out in tongues and no one knows what's going on. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But that's what was going on in Corinth. They had the misconception that the, that the spiritual gifts of tongues was the greatest gift. So in their arrogance, the large, a large percentage of the church was speaking in tongues at, at, at their gathering. The gift of tongues is a critical issue that Paul is addressing in our passage, as you can tell. In the building up, of Christ's church the gospel message cannot be received if it is not understood therefore the spiritual gifts of prophecy the spiritual gift of prophecy is the greatest gift is a greater gift than tongues Paul says that in this passage he's saying hey that's a bad this is a greater gift now he's only addressing those two gifts okay but he's saying, of those two gifts, this is the greater. This is the greater. The gospel message cannot be received if it's not understood. How many times have, we, have people gone to a church and they, in their pridefulness flood the congregation and maybe new members and maybe new people visiting with biblical theological words that they do not, that the that the lay person, not because they're not because they're not intelligent, not because they, they can't understand things, but they're ignorant about the Bible stuff because they have never studied the Bible. How many times has this happened when they use that people, even pastors in their arrogance, use theological biblical words to belittle somebody to let them know that I know more than you, so you stay down there and I'll stay up here. Basically, they're not they're not understanding what's going on here. They're basically, the the pastor is basically speaking tongues because they're not communicating. And that's the issue, that's the issue that Paul is addressing. He's addressing this issue, this this prophecy issue, and why the the gift of prophecy is better than the gift of tongues. And if you turn to our passage, it's easy uh, to to break it down, uh, but we'll break it down this way. We'll talk about three things. We'll talk about what is the gift of tongues Then we'll talk about what is the gift of prophecy? And then we'll talk about why, he, why you should care. Why should you care about these two gifts? So we'll start off with the gift of tongues. So what is what is the gift of tongues? Well, our text, as you can see, goes back and forth. If, if you look, as if, if Don read it, it goes back and forth talking about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. So we'll start. By looking at the gift of tongues. Now there are three predominant views on the gift of tongues. Uh, There could be more but three predominant and I'm going to try to explain them to you briefly in a summary okay. We'll start off with, well there are three of them let me name them for you. Uh, The first one is the traditional view of tongues The next one is the charismatic view of tongues. And the third one is what a lot of theologians are calling the alternative view of the gift of tongues. Okay, so we'll start off with the traditional view. The traditional view of tongues is defined as a language. Okay, a language or a language dialect that is known, that that originated from a people group somewhere on this planet, okay? They spoke a language, uh, and, and it, it, so it's a known language or a language dialect. It's known, okay? It's not a gibberish, unknown thing. It is a known language that, that the speaker who speaks it doesn't know. The speaker who speaks it may not know that language, but the Holy Spirit empowers and enables that speaker to be able to speak that tongue. That tongue, that language that that speaker does not know. Now, it's, that would say the congregation probably doesn't know, but they might. Okay, and, and that would that would be ideal, especially in the early church, for going out where? To the world. For going out to the world and speaking in their native tongue. Speaking that tongue for the early missionaries. Okay? So uh, the next view is the charismatic, the charismatic view of tongues. Now that view is defined uh, as a known language, a known language again, a known language, language dialect in the planet on the planet, or a heavenly language, which wouldn't be known on the planet. That the person who is speaking it, stay with me, okay? that the person who is speaking it does not know. Doesn't know. Doesn't know this language. Whether it's a language from another country or a heavenly language, the person speaking it doesn't know what it is. This is the charismatic view. Nor does the congregation. The congregation has no idea what this person's saying. So you got this person speaking some type of dialect or language that he or she does not know what they're talking about nor does the congregation. No one knows what's going on. That's a charismatic view. And they believe that the Holy Spirit enables them to do that. If you dig a little deeper into that, it doesn't make any sense. It it makes a God a God of chaos. Because no one knows what's going on. Not the speaker, not the people who are hearing it, no one. Oh, Manny, but what about the angels of heaven? Have you, When was the last time you spoke to an angel of heaven? Or oh, when is the last time you, you got a, a bunch of angels of heaven together and preached to them or something? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, that's the charismatic. view. We can get a little deeper in that, but we'll, we'll stay there. Now, next is the alternative view. And this this is, again, uh, many theologians are, are calling it the alternative view. Okay, now stay with me on this one. Uh, it, it defines... The, the, the tongue as being a known language or known language dialogue somewhere on the planet. Known language, known language dialogue that is known to the speaker. This person speaking it knows the language. Si, si, si hablo espanol, I know, you know, I'm. I'm gonna know what I'm saying. Now some of you probably know what I'm saying you can speak the language and some of you that are not native uh, could probably speak the language, especially Spanish because we're in San Antonio. But let's say it was Russian or something. Well, the person speaking it would know the language. But the congregation wouldn't know, wouldn't understand it. It would not understand it. Um, but the person speaking it Stay with me. You would understand it, okay? Now, the theologians, most theologians, the majority of theologians believe that that's what's going on in Corinth. That's what's happening in Corinth. Those people speaking the, these tongues are speaking uh, foreign language. They're speaking their native tongue. Now, why would they surmise that? Well, they surmise that because Corinth was a, a worldwide, international city of commerce that brought people from all over the world together to sell their goods, They became rich doing business there in Corinth. But they came speaking other languages with other customs and just their culture, their own culture. Now, the alternative view is is similar to what went on in the book of Acts. Now, in Corinth, they were speaking their home language their native tongue and the people there most of them didn't understand what they were talking about but they did and and it's going to make sense here in just a second but but if you look at the book of acts chapter two you recall the gathering of the people when the people got together they came from all over the world they always spoke their own languages okay different languages they couldn't communicate with each other So when the power of the Holy Spirit, when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they're able to speak their language, whatever it may be, but also anyone next to them who came from another country spoke a different language. They were able to understand that language and communicate with each other. They understood a a foreign language, the language that the other person was speaking. And they they were amazed by that. They could speak Spanish or English. And a person could speak Russian and we could understand it. They were amazed by that. It was a miraculous thing. Now, remember how this all started? We are talking about Acts 2. Where did the language confusion happen? We have to go all the way back to Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel, where God confused their languages and sent them out to the world. Well, at Pentecost, there, when they all came together, and God was sending them out to the world to start the church, he removed the confusion. The Holy Spirit removed the confusion of the languages so they were able to understand each other. Now that, that was at Pentecost, okay? And it's gone away since then. But but it makes sense as to what is going on at Corinth and what, is, what Paul is talking about. Uh, Paul confirms the legitimacy of tongues he does he says he says that the, but the, he says but the problem is that they only benefit the that individual who's speaking the tongues okay and it says that they they only edified themselves they didn't edify someone else now when it says that when it, when Paul says it doesn't benefit anybody else but it benefits you speaking it we have to realize two things we have to realize first that they were speaking a language that they understood. They weren't speaking gibberish. That not even them not even they understood. No, they understood what they were saying. That's why Paul says it was edifying to them. They were they were blessed by it themselves. But the uh, the, the rest of the congregation was not blessed so that it was not, not helping build up the body. Okay? He says tongues does not help the church. It is not beneficial to the church. It is of no benefit to the church gathering in, in the church unless what? Unless you have someone who can do what? Translate. That tells you that it is a tongue, uh, a language. Okay. So 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 now he's getting into the nitty gritty because Paul's take Paul, as you can imagine, takes worship. In church, very serious, and anything that's going to 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 destroy it or to, or to tear it down, he's going to attack it, and that's what he's doing with tongues. He's not saying that it's terrible; you shouldn't speak tongues. He's saying that in church, it's not beneficial. That that it, it when it's spoken, it is not building up the ch- church. It, it is an interruption to church. The apostle Paul compares the gift of tongues at church to to a lifeless instrument. It's like if I picked up well, if I picked up a bugle or whatever, I picked went over there and started banging on the keyboard. Anthony would get mad at me, but it wouldn't have any anything. would make any sense, right? It wouldn't make any sense. I would bang on that keyboard, and you would say, "Manny, please stop playing." But Anthony can come up here and he can play, bang on the keyboard and it's beautiful. And that's what Paul is saying about tongues, that it is lifeless. It is lifeless. But he even goes up, See, this is why the alternative view is, is, is where it's at, because Paul talks, says this, Paul says that, that there's a lot of languages throughout the world, many, many languages throughout the world. What's he talking about? he's talking about tongues so he's saying that these tongues that the 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 corinthians are speaking are other languages and he says but i'm a foreigner to some of those and so when you're speaking it when someone else is speaking their native language and i don't understand it i'm a foreigner to it it's rubbish to me It, it is gibberish it doesn't make any sense we're not communicating here we're not building up each other we're not edifying the body of christ It is unintelligible. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Tongues are fruitless, not beneficial to the church. He says it should not be used in church. He says, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Verse 19. Okay, so let's, Let's move over to what prophecy is. And we just, we're not going to spend very much time here. But, but what is the gift of prophecy? Well, it's not so much, or it's not foretelling. It is prophesying. It is building up the body of Christ. So when prophecy, or, or the gift of prophesying, is basically being able to pray, Reach and teach and praise God. You gather together in the book of Joel and in other places. They gather together and they start prophesying. Well, what they're doing is they're praying. They're praising God. And they, if they knew the scriptures, they were talking about the scriptures. They're reciting scripture. That's what prophecy in its simplest form is about. The, the Greek word uh, for, for the building up is twofold. It, it, is, it is a process of building. It is the building up as a process, which is what the church is doing is to grow. And even those who have been a part of church for years are still growing in discipleship. But we're also going out and, and, and sharing the gospel and growing in that way. And it is also being built up, being edified by prophecy. By others, by the preaching of the word. The and and here's the interesting part. Paul is saying everybody should be doing that. You should be prophesying. You, each of us, should work on prophesying. Now, how would that work? Well, you we know don't pray. We can praise God, we also can share the gospel. We could also share with others what the gospel means in our vernacular, in our own terms, in our own words. That's prophesying. And as we do, we get better at it. Because they go, well, what about that? You go, I don't know. You're going to have to ask my pastor. You're going to have to come to church with us, which is good. But you know what you do also? You go, let me look. I'm going to go look because that was a good question. Let me see if I can find that. Let me ask somebody that knows. What's that going to do? It's going to help you learn how to prophesy. Paul is saying that he wants everybody to prophesy. But he's echoing what Moses said to his people. You remember that story in, in um, uh, the Old Testament? In Numbers chapter 11? Uh, he, Moses is going to the wilderness. two million many people. You know, Too many people. And he, he's having to oversee everything, do everything and everything. And, and he needs help. And so God says, you need help. <laughs> okay? So he says, Moses, go get 70. Get 70, 70 men and bring them to me. And I'm going to bless them. And they're going to help you rule the nation. Okay, so they're gonna help Moses. Okay, so 70 came. And God blessed them. And they started prophesying. There were two others that didn't feel they were so humble, they were so self-aware that they said they don't even merit being able to go in front of God. They're just going to stay close, and they're going to hear what's being said, and, and they're going to rejoice. And guess what happened to these two men? They didn't even go to the tabernacle. They just stayed near it, where the blessings of God came upon the 70. It blessed, them, it blessed those two men, too. And guess what happened? They started prophesying. Prophesying. Oh, man, there was a complaint. We got a lot of complaint there. Aaron complains to Moses, he says, he says, Look at these guys. They weren't there, they weren't among the 70, but they're prophesying about scripture. They're praising God, they're praying to God. You know what Moses tells Aaron? He says, This he says, Are you jealous? Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. Why? So they could prophesy. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them so they could prophesy. And that's what he's done to you. You too are a prophet. You too are are, are praying, praising God, and sharing the gospel. Sharing scripture. Now, some of us, so many of us think, well, I'm not gonna be able to tell, you know, the future. No, 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 no. That's prophesied right there. God has already told us the future, it's right here in his book. There are no more prophets at that of that understanding of the old testament. Okay, so what is we as we look at this, and and again, that is why uh that is why Paul could say. The gift of prophecy is the greater gift, the greater gift. So what do you, what do you need to know? Why, why should you even care? Why should you care the difference between tongues and prophecy? I just told you, because you're supposed to be a prophet. You're called to be a prophet. The Holy Spirit has blessed you to be a prophet, among other blessings, among other gifts. That is one that you have as well. And you're called to do it. That is why you were created. You were created to glorify God with your life. And you do it by praying, praising, sharing the gospel. Sharing and studying and talking about the gospel message with others. And and, and having Bible studies and getting into his word. And letting the spirit work in you. Let the spirit. Don't quench the spirit allow the spirit to do what the spirit does now so many times we quench the spirit that's the easiest way to quench the spirit sin so i'm sin, and if you said you repent or, rather when you sin? repent and keep going believe 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 that is what you're called to do i want to finish the story real quick about what happened with these rangers These Texas Rangers, they did not shoot me. I'm still here. I'm living, I'm alive and well, living in San Antonio. Okay. Here's what happened. A a guy, a friend of mine actually named Gary De Los Santos. He was a Sergeant. He raised his hand and he says, Manny, like, you know, uh, he asked me a question that was an investigative question about investigations that they do. And I'm an investigator from the get go. I was able to answer his question and bring into that what polygraph could do and how polygraph would benefit them as they did their investigations. And what we could do, primarily what we do is try to get a confession for them, to help them. And they didn't care about all the technology, about the polygraph and how it works and care less. I just want a confession, give me confession, give me confession. You know, so basically we ended the, the lecture on a very high note. In fact, that captain who turned around and sat down, got up and was leading the charge of how good polygraph was and that everybody should be using polygraph, a polygraph examiner to help them with their investigations. That's edifying, right? That's the gospel. That's the gospel message. That is what you have to do. Lead the way. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you as you prophesy the gospel message. The uh, other day I did send out a five minute Bible study that I know you're going to listen to. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands on how many people have listened to it. I will not do that. But In that, it it was God, Jesus is, we're going to the gospel of St. John. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders about how the future is now. The future is now. And he's telling them that in the future, the dead, which would be us too, will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will rise up from the grave. The dead would hear the voice of God, and they would rise up from the dead. But he's telling them that that voice is coming from the Son of Man. It's coming from him at that moment, at this very moment. The gospel that Jesus spoke, that, he's taught, that he taught us, that he's led us to, to share, That gospel is the future because we can hear the voice of the Son of God speaking to us, saying that through Christ, we can live today and we will live in the future when the resurrection comes, when he returns. The future is now today. And he was telling the religious leaders, don't hesitate or you will die in your sins. Receive me and you will live today and you will live in the future. That is, that's your message. That's what he's telling us. And if you have not received him as your Lord and Savior, why not? Why not? Jesus is telling his religious leaders, hey, do it now. You, if you hesitate, you're gonna die in your sins. You'll be condemned. That's the message of the gospel. And if you have received him, now you live for his glory. By by sharing in the gift of prophecy, using that gift, among all the other gifts, to build up his church. That is why we were created. That's why we're here. Let us pray. You've been listening to Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.